God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And you're not going to believe this, but uh, we actually have our call line working. So uh, whoever wants to call in, uh, dial 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. That's 215-867-8255 if you'd like to call in and be heard today. We're going to make that announcement a couple of times throughout the day. We've had this thing not working for months. Um, and also today's a fairly big day because today I get my pick line out. So I'm no longer strapped to a IV pump for my medication, uh, for my back ailment that's kept me out of, uh, out of, uh, things for quite some time. Um, so today's kind of like a, one of those big days, um, pick line, if you want to look it up, it's a P-I-C-C. It's a thing that people want to get out of the hospital and they're still on uh, serious drugs and medication. They still have to take that. Um, and I just got my new cane, so I'm no longer requiring a walker. I can walk with a cane. So a lot of progress. Um, I'm also able to walk without a cane, uh, but for limited distances. So uh, my mobility and my paralysis that I had uh, post-surgery is all going in the right direction. And, you know, hopefully that destination is a full recovery. We'll see what happens. It all remains to be seen. But um, in any case, uh, so a couple of big announcements. And then also I want to um, get into... Uh, uh, many things today. Uh, there's a lot going on, not only in Washington, but international uh, for, with foreign policy. And one of the things that's in play is the uh, Biden-Putin meeting takes place today. And, you know, just like China's eating Biden's lunch, uh, I believe that Putin is eating 
Biden's lunch as well. The last time Putin decided that he wanted to take over Crimea and invade Ukraine, it was it's with the Obama regime, and Biden was vice president at the time. So why not just take another bite at the apple? Because they're not going to do anything. We saw what happened in Afghanistan. We saw what happened with regard to China. Um, incidentally, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the China boycott or, or the Olympic boycott, the diplomatic boycott. That's actually one of the policies uh, with respect to um, China uh, that I don't disagree with, actually. I, I think that diplomatic boycotting is the right way to go. I don't think punishing the athlete is the right way to go. But I say to the athletes, just like uh, uh, Cantor, Eric Cantor said, the Boston Celtics uh, uh, basketball player, um, he said shame on the Olympic athletes that choose to perform and, and compete. But I think that the circumstances are quite different. And, uh, you know, he's with the NBA, and the NBA has already sold out to China. So he shouldn't be throwing stones so viciously um, because these Olympic athletes have a shelf life of one one chance at the apple. And uh, so we'll get into all that today. There's a lot of things we're going to be talking about. Uh, Jesse Smollett's trial is today. The media is not covering the Jesse Smollett trial. Hmm, I wonder why. You know, that should tell you everything you want to know about what the media really thinks uh, about the Smollett trial. They thought that Rittenhouse was going to go down. It was going to advance their initiatives with gun control. And that they thought that somehow they were going to, you know, I still think it's all about Trump and white supremacy and all these other things. But let's take a listen. Um, we're going to cue the show up today because also in today, today, we are going to have um, basically a group. Uh, we already saw the uh, Patriot Front group disguised as a bunch of FBI agents uh, trying to act like racists. They're so afraid of Trump, I think. And they're so afraid of the momentum and the, deteriori- the de- de- decay and deterioration from within the White House. But they're also afraid of Trump. And the Patriots. And I still think we need to do more with respect to those individuals that are rotting in jail and getting the book thrown at them. Meanwhile, you know, you have these liberal groups like this newest one. Shut down D.C., defend democracy. Shut down D.C. and defend democracy. And they're going to do that today. They're going to show up today. It's supposed to be about 20,000 people. I don't think they're going to get that many. And uh, they're going to do whatever they can to wreak havoc on D.C. Let's take a listen to what Tucker Carlson had to say with respect to uh, this, this new attack. You want to talk about an insurrection, folks. That would be this. Shut down D.C. to defend democracy. Uh, they're basically saying shutting down the government. Where's Nancy Pelosi on this one? Let's take a listen. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, get it on the right channel, and then we'll take a listen. All right, here we go. You can go to their website. On it, the extremists describe the violence they plan to commit tomorrow in Washington. 
They're planning, quote, disruptive direct action to end, quote, business as usual and dismantle this country's core systems of government. In case there's any remaining doubt about their goal, they're calling tomorrow's disruptive direct action, quote, December 7th, shut down the Capitol, as in the United States Capitol. So what would you call an event like this? There's really no other word for it. It's an insurrection. It's a planned uprising against our elected government. In fact, it's an attack on democracy itself. This may be the most organized attack since the Civil War and 9-11. Now, if you've been paying attention for the past year, last 11 months to the day, in fact, you probably assume our elected officials vehemently oppose this. They're against insurrections. In fact, at this point, insurrections are the main thing they're against. Their whole job is to oppose insurrecting. Nancy Pelosi tells us that every day. So does Liz Cheney. But not in this case. Turns out some insurrections are just fine. It depends on who's planning on insurrecting. Just today, Nancy Pelosi's top bodyguard, William J. Walker, installed in March, the House Sergeant at Arms, issued a statement describing tomorrow's insurrection as the shut down the Capitol event, by the way. This is the citywide First Amendment demonstration. No big deal, implied Walker, just a group of political extremists coming to shut down the U.S. Congress while it's in session. It's not a threat. <sighs> the funny thing is, Walker's hilariously understated response to tomorrow's outbreak of left-wing violence, which is, again, on the Internet, sounds a lot like the government's initial response to the rally in January. That's when conservatives descended on the city. On the morning of January 6th, the regional director at the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, wrote a memo with this subject line, updates on rallies and protests. That day, DHS was tracking three major rallies. One of them featured a speech by the then-sitting president about election integrity. Pursuant to National Park Service Permit 21-0278, the DHS expected about 20,000 people to attend. The event was at the Ellipse, just south of the White House. All of these people, the DHS bulletin made clear, had a constitutional right to be there. They also had a right to leave the ellipse and go wherever they wanted because it was, at the time anyway, their country. Quote, it is expected, the memo said, that a portion of this group will march to the United States Capitol. And they did, and it was hardly a surprise when they did. It was all, as Pelosi would say, of tomorrow's planned insurrection, a, quote, First Amendment demonstration. It was Americans peacefully assembling to express their political views, as for nearly 250 years, the Bill of Rights has guaranteed that they can. There's nothing more American than that. We've heard that for decades. And yet here's the change. Suddenly, it is a crime to do this, depending upon who you voted for. This is Congressman Benny Thompson of Mississippi. He's a sitting member of Congress. He is the chairman of the House Committee that claims to be looking into what happened on January 6th. But, of course, Benny Thompson already knows perfectly well what happened on January 6th. He and the rest of the committee are sitting on thousands of hours of videotape that they refuse to release to the public. So fact-finding is hardly the point of the mission here. The point, very clearly and ever more clearly with each passing day, is to criminalize political dissent. Now, that's a strong claim. And if you doubt it, watch Benny Thompson explain how he plans to handle a former Trump official that the committee has subpoenaed, that he has subpoenaed. Now, the man in question has not been charged or even accused of any crime. This man was not inside the Capitol building on January 6th. And yet here is Benny Thompson warning that if this man dares to use his Fifth Amendment right, the right not to incriminate himself, 
then he is, by definition, guilty of a crime. Our charge is to get to the facts. Uh, Mr. Clark, through his attorney, uh, has been deliberately avoiding us. Obviously, he is aware that something went on that's illegal. And rather than be responsible and answer it, he's pleading the fifth. But if he's saying, okay, I'll come, but I'll plead the fifth, then in some instances, that says you part and parcel uh, guilty to what occurred. If you plead the fifth, you're guilty. What country is this? So assert your constitutional rights and we will punish you. That is the chairman of the January 6th committee. What you just saw is far more imminently dangerous to our democracy than anything that happened on January 6th itself. It's not even close. And yet it is, by and large, being ignored. Did you read about that in the New York Times? How about the Washington Post? Even conservative media, to their great shame, is by and large ignoring this story. Why are they ignoring it? We'll let you reach your own conclusions on that. But in the darkness that results, our democracy is indeed dying by degree. We can tell you tonight, for example, that Democrats in Congress have just subpoenaed AT&T. They're seeking the phone records of a young woman called Caroline Wren. Caroline Wren did not break into the Capitol on January 6th. She wasn't even there. Caroline Wren is a Republican fundraiser who once worked for Lindsey Graham. She helped organize donations for the rally that day, and her name is on the permit for it. That's it. That's her rap sheet. For doing that, the most constitutionally protected of all activities, the January 6th committee is demanding all of Caroline Wren's phone records. That would include all of her text messages from November 1st, 2020 to January 31st of this year. Democrats on the committee are also trying to seize, and when we say Democrats, we're including in this Liz Cheney. And they're trying to seize her bank records. They're trying to seize everything she has written by hand, including her personal diary entries. Now, you don't have to love Donald Trump to find all of this sickening and scary. Do you really want to live in a country where Nancy Pelosi and Benny Thompson, crazed partisans with no interest whatsoever in the United States Constitution, can seize your bank records, your text messages, your diary, simply because they don't like who you voted for in the last election? Most Americans do not want to live in a country like that. A country like that is called Haiti. But suddenly, it's America. This show has learned that other subpoenas from the January 6th Commission to phone companies are in progress. They target Americans who have been accused of no crime whatsoever, much less charged with one. Cleta Mitchell, for example, a prominent Republican lawyer, was just informed by AT&T that Democrats want her phone records, several months of her phone records. Why? On what grounds? Because Cleta Mitchell once spoke to Donald Trump about the vote in Georgia, and complaining about election results is now a crime. We've reached out to AT&T about this. Effectively, they have told us they're going to comply with the subpoenas from congressional Democrats. They're probably afraid not to comply. But all of us should be every bit as afraid of this. It is terrifying. John Eastman is one of the targets of this attack on our course of liberties. Eastman spoke at the rally on January 6th. He once advised Donald Trump. On Friday, Verizon informed John Eastman that unless he can get a court order to stop it, they plan to turn over his personal text messages to Nancy Pelosi and Benny Thompson. John Eastman joins us tonight. Mr. Eastman, thank you very much. For coming Tucker, on. thanks for so oh, it's we're my not going to get what into a, what a scary time that particular uh, 
it gets worse. And, you know, it's the two standards of justice that, that really uh, has us reeling. Uh, I got to fix my sound there. So it's it's the two standards of justice. For, forgive me for the background noise. I just have to get this out of my ear. Um, all right. So it's uh, political dissidence. It's a uh, you know, it's it's what we're concerned about with regard to the so-called vaccine passport, which we know is going to become the social credit score system. And that if you somehow supported Trump, you're racist and therefore you're going to have a lower score. And that might make it impossible for you to get a loan for a home or a car uh, that might get you banned off of social media. That might uh, prevent you then from, if you're banned on social media, say all social media, like Twitch, which is owned by Amazon, then you might not even get to shop for groceries or uh, get your order, uh, get your Amazon shipment delivered in two-day shipping for free. Uh, You might not get to watch their videos as a family. Uh, You might not uh, get to shop at Whole Foods and so on and so forth. You know, already... We're seeing what's playing out in New York City. You got the Blasio going to be gone here shortly. And all of a sudden, he's demanding that that not just government officials, but private working officials mandate that all of their employees get the vaccine. And that's making it impossible for companies to hire people because there's a lot of people that don't want to get the vaccine. So how do you function in a a society like that? They're already admitting that they got the Omni uh, Omicron uh, uh, strain variant uh, wrong. It's nowhere near as deadly as as they once thought. And then you, you have Dana White. Dana White, his whole family, was on YouTube talking about what uh, following the rules of Joe uh, Joe Rogan. And basically, they just took a bunch of microantibodies, you know, with regard to COVID. His 80-year-old uh, stepmother, his uh, he's 53 himself, Dana White. Uh, his wife was 53 and his daughter was like 18. And all the while, you get all of these different people, uh, different age groups. Every one of them got covid and every one of them did what Joe Rogan did. And Joe Rogan, you know, made it very clear not to do what the doctors are telling you to do, and that is sit and quarantine yourself for 10 days until you get deathly sick. No. <clears throat> he said, don't wait. Be proactive. Get it early. And basically, ivermectin is part of the solution, not the problem. And yet, so many of our hospitals and doctors have banned, uh, governors have banned that drug. Why are they trying to prevent you from taking a remedy that actually fixes the problem? We need more voices like Dana White to speak up and talk about their real-world experience. Now, it turns out these people are somewhat rich, but these drugs are actually very affordable and very accessible. And so he said, five days. He said his whole thing about taste and smell that was gone, uh, he lost his taste and smell. Within 48 hours after taking uh, 
uh, Iver, uh, the Regeneron uh, microantibodies, which I don't even know if it was Regeneron, but it's any any one of the companies that makes microantibodies, which could be Regeneron, right, is one of them. Uh, you take that, you take it, and then next thing you know, you take that, and then you take the ivermectin, then you take this other thing called NTD, uh, and then you do the rotation one more time until it's gone. And you don't have to do it all day long, just once a day. And take these um, remedies, these mitigations, these therapeutics. And, you know, basically you're, you fix the problem. The problem is hardly a threat. And yet we have five-year-olds and 12-year-olds who aren't uh, who have a zero chance of dying from this, and yet they they have a better chance of dying from the flu, but somehow they don't have to wear a mask for the flu. So it's obviously what is the agenda, and we've been talking about that like yesterday and last week about globalism, and how, about trying to get that number to seventy percent. We've drawn the comparison uh, with respect to. Uh, the Jim Crow laws, which are all about segregation. And that's what they're doing right now. The Democrats are segregating society. They're dividing, uh, creating a wedge, dividing Americans. Uh, and then the other part is the thing that we learned yesterday about Doug, from Douglas Murray about, you know, ruining the middle class in Europe and also uh, taking away your identity. And yesterday we spent a lot of time doing that and they're it's a full court press they're coming at us from all angles you know i was just listening to in the matrix yesterday uh where they had a guest on and they were talking about the bioweapon how long have i been talking about this as a bioweapon china and united states work working in partnership with this type of technology that either leaked out by mistake or was put out there uh, as a as a uh, experiment, uh, paid for on behalf of Bill Gates. One way or the other, a human experiment to reduce the world's population. And we've heard many liberals talk about the world's population needs to be curbed, taken into account, under control. And this drug, this uh, virus, this uh, COVID basically impacted Italy in a big, huge way. We talked about this a year ago, two years ago. We said, well, it's killing the right people if you're a socialized medicine because, you know, you no longer have that huge monstrosity of a bill if you're the government. All those old people taxing our medical uh, facilities because they're the ones getting sick the most, and we just get rid of them with the covid Think about all that money you save. And by the way, the Social Security that they're hogging up. Yes, of course, they've earned it. But, you know, it's still a burden on the Social Security system. Why don't we just kill them off? You know, I know that death panels didn't t t uh, pass the focus group test. The, the socialized medicine death panels, there's only going to be so much coverage we're going to give you before we deem it that your life isn't worth X amount of dollars. So we're not going to pay it. You're going to die instead. That's a death panel. That's a decision being made. It says 
You could spend, you could have this much uh, treatment, but no more. And if all the right people die, like all the old people, it saves Social Security. How great is that? Even Rahm Emanuel's brother, Zeke Emanuel, basically he was going to be in charge of the FDA, the food you eat. This was a situation where he was saying, he's already said on record, on audio tape, video, where he said that people uh, shouldn't live past the age of 78. I'm like, huh, wow, that's a, that's a young age, really, relatively speaking. I know a lot of 78-year-olds that are very, very healthy. My father's older than that, and he's healthy, knock on wood. But, you know, the idea is that it shouldn't be for them to say. This is not our own pursuit of happiness. This is our being controlled by government. This isn't our freedoms and liberties and justice. None of it falls into the categories of freedom, liberty, and justice, nor the pursuit of happiness. Those are our inalienable rights to worship our God and do the things we want to do as individuals in this world. But if we lose our identity, that's the other flip side of this, okay, the other part of it. It's not just that this COVID has a benefit to the government establishment or the elite by saving a bundle, by, by killing elderly people off first, just like what Andrew Como actually did to the nursing homes in New York. Six to 12,000 people, depending on who you talk to, have lost their lives, and they were elderly. This, this uh, virus was geared toward killing old people and really you know, no threat to young people, yet we're somehow now controlling the young people. Could it be that there's also a reproductive scheme in play here where these five to 12 year olds, 12 year olds in six years, you know, there are people in the inner city streets, for example, that get pregnant at the age of 14, 15. It's terrible, but it does happen. And so that's a you know, that, that can ruin a person's life. If they have a child at that age, they can't afford to raise it. They might have to adopt it or what are they going to do? So there's a lot of different things that they might have to do. But in any case, oh, we could fix that problem with this COVID uh, vaccine. We're going to take our first call. Let's hope and uh, see if this, is, this works. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but we did get this call coming in. It's our first day back with the phone lines. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Caller? Okay, so it's not working. Caller, you're on the air? Caller, can you hear me? Well, I can hear them, but they can't hear me, apparently. All right, so we're going to go ahead and do away with that call. Sorry about that, folks. All right, so yeah, we're just hoping to get our our, our, our the call-in line to see if it works is uh, 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. That's 215-867-8255.
And believe it or not, we have a call log associated with our call-in system. And we've seen a lot of people trying to call in. And uh, let's see if this one works. We'll, we'll see. It's a lot of different... So, again, it takes just a moment. It's a system I'm not too familiar with. But, uh, caller, you're on the air? Hey, Scott. Can you hear me? Yes. Who is calling? Oh, this is Scott in San Diego. Oh, yeah. I remember you. It's been a while since we've had our <laughs> hey, phone calls. So. Yeah, well, your phones have been down. It's weird. I know. I know. Well, you know, and <laughs> by the way, with with my health condition, there was I'm the only one that could fix it, apparently. And um, and so it's... It, yeah, I'm just getting back on my feet, and I was able to fix it. So, yeah. in any case, well, better, I'm glad you're getting better. Yep. All right. So, what what did you want to talk about today? So, my question is: uh, Has anybody explained how a variant is popping up simultaneously in different parts of the world? Does this thing communicate? I mean, can it can it uh, communicate uh, to the other side of the world and say, "Hey, we're going to mutate into this variant now"? Or, uh, it's just weird because they say that uh, there's thousands of variants, but all of a sudden, this one is the one they're focusing on, and and it's popping up simultaneously all around the world. Yeah, How no, is that happening? I think it's uh, man does it just like um, when they sell a can of Alpo. They're not selling it to the dog; they're selling it to the man. Um, but you know the idea. <laughs> um, but the idea here is this: um, you know, uh, South Africa was not towing the line. They canceled their Pfizer order, from what I understand, and they were punished for it. They are, they were only at twenty six percent vaccinated, and uh, they were punished for it because at this point they're looking at it from a global perspective, and they have a global pass. The World Economic Forum plus the World Health Organization, have put together software that's going to be of a global nature. It's going to be connected with the banks, the airports, and you name it. And uh, it's going to require we all get on board and play ball with the go- this one-world order uh, globalist system, checks and balances. It's sort of like it's, it's, it's tyrannical uh, world government on steroids. It's a utopian dream come true for... Anybody who wants to control populations, which is basically radical communist, socialist, Marxist, and globalists, which are all pretty much the same thing. I think um, I, my main question is, is whether this thing is just uh, the powers that be seizing on an opportunity or if this opportunity was created. Yeah, that's that's the, oh, no, uh, that's I, the question. Yeah, I think it's I think it's actually me. I think it's potentially made up, meaning that uh, there's who's testing to see who's even to they had for example they had in, out in California they had a test for this variant. Are you kidding me? It took specifically six for the variant. Yeah, well, I mean they had it like days after. It's like oh wait, you you took months, weeks of months to to get a variant te- test for a variant uh, in the beginning. Now, all of a sudden, they could just test anytime they want. No, they, this was rolled out way too quickly, too or, uh, organized, too coordinated. And it also was so um, beneficial to the powers that be because South Africa well, was not playing ball. Yeah, remember when uh, Cortez first got elected and they were talking about the Green New Deal? Remember that? Yeah. 
and everybody was laughing at it like, how are they going to get rid of cows? How are they going to stop air travel? How are they going to do that? They're never going to do that. Sure looks like it's happening. That's right. That's absolutely right. And it's up to you and me and everybody listening to be very, very vigilant and astute to what's going on because it's not, it's not linear anymore. This game is not linear. This is a war against the people. Uh, from the governments, the tyrannical governments are seizing their opportunity. Whether they wanted it to happen when it did, I don't think, I think they were caught off on their heels. But a a scheme of this magnitude, uh, you know, happens when it happens. And it happened, and now they're all trying to figure it out. Uh, But they're all on board now. They know. And that's why it is that radical lefties Uh, are just doing and saying one thing and it's the conservatives they're saying something completely different this as biden said last week this has become very political yeah but it's because the democrats are using this for uh political power and and uh government power if they were to say to me take the vaccine and you know i don't need you to buy me a beer or a pizza or give me a hundred bucks uh what I need you to do is promise me that you're not going to take my contribution. You know, if I take the vaccine, you're not going to count me as part of that 70 percent and use corporations, woke corporations to, uh, you know, mandate vaccine passports and restrict and restrictions so that they can control world populations. You know, yeah. Hey, um, well, and sort of. Uh, yeah. And then yes. we're going to have to take another call. Okay, thanks for taking my call, Scott. All right, hey, thank you. All right, take care. All right, let's see what happens. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Scott, good to talk to you. It's John in Idaho. John in Idaho, hey, thank you for calling today. Glad you're feeling better, and congratulations on getting the stint taken out. Um, What I'm calling about is it's becoming more and more clear that the vaccine is the pandemic. And it, it's scary, like you're talking about, you know, they're trying to get us to this, this new world order, this globalism. And they're just, I don't see them stopping to push. I was wondering, I mean, do you think, do you think any of these people will ever reach trial like Dr. Fauci? I, I read in, in Europe, they're trying to get rid of the Nuremberg Code so they can force people on the vaccine. So. It's getting pretty scary in that area. Well, you know, I think that Dr. Fauci's protected. I think that he was part of, he's working uh, in part with the, uh, but this is a bioweapon. And I think he was part of a very covert, uh, clandestine type of operation that uh, I think he's uh, partnering with the Pentagon, with the military in general. The industrial complex. Uh, he could be working with the State Department. He could be working with uh, uh, the CIA. For all I I know, but I I get the I get this. I have this strong suspicion that he's protected. It would not be the first time, and I've heard and I've read different things that suggest that this was a bioweapon, and that Dr. Fauci knew all about it. That they were not going to do gain of function on our soil. Uh, I think for legal loopholes, for legal um, right. legal exposure, but 
um, they didn't want that exposure. So they put it over in China, and China was all too happy to contribute. Plus, China had the right kind of labs to pull this kind of stuff off. They were probably experts at it. And the Wuhan lab is one of those labs that does it. And uh, there's few of these labs in the world. And so China had it because they were probably well on their way to doing a lot in this area. And I think that the military and our intelligence was working hand in glove with China in a cooperative deal where we put up, and that's why we put up the money. They didn't need the money. Why did we put up any money? (laughs) Of course, it's because we're contributing. We're doing our part to be part of this project. And this project was that this was a bioweapon, man-made, engineered. And that's why if you're Dr. Fauci and the world is crushing in on you, you're fearless. You feel like you are invincible, that there's nothing that can happen to you. And that's because I think he feels very protected. <clears throat> well, two, two things on that. I mean, so when you take the vaccine, what I understand is it, like it affects your immunity system, so it makes you more susceptible to the next virus, which, you know, obviously keeps you a continuous boosters going on forever. But, I mean, do you, do you feel like that that, that is the pandemic. The vaccine in itself is the pandemic. Yeah, well, you know, there's also a strange thing that seems to be happening, and that is that uh, I, I'm seeing weird trends. And it's the reason why the CDC is not actually doing any calculation of their own when it comes to breakthrough uh, uh, viruses. They're not counting. They're not even counting those numbers. Um, <clears throat> and. They're not paying any close attention to antibodies. They're not paying any close attention to whether or not you've had this, this, uh, this, this thing at all. And so I just think that there's a lot more going on here with respect to uh, the CDC's in on it. And uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I, I definitely think that um, the vaccine. There's a design to this vaccine. It's not a vaccine anyway. It's it's an RDNA. Uh, it doesn't even have the virus in it. So gene it's therapy. Not, it's gene yeah, therapy. exactly. It's a gene therapy. And I think it actually uh, does two things. I think it's a bioweapon. It's a control thing. It can control. I think there's a way that it, I think that we're going to learn more about how it impacts reproductive uh, issues uh, in terms of f- fertility. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people are concerned about that. And I think that's why they want the younger population, which is under no threat, to take this pill or this jab deal. You know, yeah. Okay, so that's the one. That's one. And secondly, I, I see these new variants and they can control these variants. See, these variants, I think the Delta virus was the was basically the vaccine variant. The Delta variant was yeah. the vaccine variant because it was only coming out of countries where they were heavily vaccine, vaccinated. Last question. Do you, if we get through this as a culture and a society, do you think there will ever be trials for these people, for Bill Gates? Yeah, or that's the question. That was your original question. And I, yeah, and exactly. my, and my, my answer to that really was that I think they're protected. So no, I don't think we're ever going to see justice. Wow. That's my opinion. Yeah. 
That's just a that's just an opinion. Well, thank thanks for the call, and I'm glad you're getting better, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, take care. All right, yeah, two good calls, and um, so uh, again, if you want to call in today, um, you know, I know this thing does uh, this call in system also does some weird stuff to our our volume controls and stuff like that. So, um, but one of the things is is that um, if you want to call in, it's two one five Top Talk. That's uh, two, and if you go to the website like scottadamshow.com or whatever, you'll see where it says Top Talk. And if you if you're on a phone, you click on that, your phone automatically calls it. That it's a hyperlink graphic that actually calls the number, so it's kind of cool. Um, we got a couple of things right with this thing, but there's so many things that are wrong with this call-in system. Um, we're trying to figure it out, but now that I'm healthy, who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky. In any case, um, it's 215-867 and then 8255 if you'd like to call in and be heard. So we just listened to Tucker Carlson talking about basically the two levels of justice. You know, Jesse Smollett's another situation of justice, right? And that is a very peculiar situation in and of itself. Um because he's now taking the stand, right? And he's denying that it's a hoax. Uh, Jesse Smollett thinks he's going to pull it off. He thinks he's an actor. He couldn't even pull off one hour uh, correct. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and, again, sorry about that. All right, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, okay, so uh, my question is, it's only one question. If these vaccines are so bad, and I believe they are. Do you think Fauci and others that take the shot on TV are really taking the shot? No. I do not believe they are. Yeah. Well, we don't know, but I always thought they were not taking, uh, like, you know, that could be water. I don't believe it for out. one yeah. second. I just wish there was uh, somebody who actually knows that they're not getting the one would uh, spill the beans and tell the world, and that would be yeah. We need more. We need more thing. whistleblowers. Is what we need. We yep. need a lot more of that, and we don't have that. But, Absolutely. Thank you, Scott, oh, very much. By the way, what's your name, and where are you calling from? Well, I, uh, my name is Phil in uh, San Diego, California. Okay. All right. Thank you for calling. Just like in, Scott, Phil. I don't know Scott, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I enjoy hearing him call him. Is it is it nice out there? What's the weather out there in San Diego? Uh, you know, it's about 50 degrees. I'm, you know, what, what is it? Five? I've been up since uh, 2 in the morning. I, I kind of do that. I'm a night owl. And uh, it's very lovely. It, we might get a little bit of rain. Haven't had any in a few months. And, uh, you know, San Diego, what's not to like? <laughs> Perfect weather. <laughs> I, I'll confess I've never been to San Diego yet, but it's on my bucket oh, list. Oh, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't kick that thing. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. See you when you're here. Okay. Right, thank you. All right. Um, <clears throat> well, that's another question, right? Uh, you know, how far does this ruse go? And how can a ruse like this be so big? You know, how can they pull off election fraud and nobody get caught? Right. I mean, all of those things really have me scratching my head. It's like, are they really that good? Is that how good they are? They're that good? They're able to pull that off like that, you know, and it it does make you scratch your head and wonder. Um, all right, so uh, 
you know, lately we've been talking about a lot of things uh, related to globalism and open borders and refugees and things like that. Um, one of the things that I, I really took away from the Doug Murray interview that we got to hear yesterday was <clears throat> was the part where if you open the borders and you do that utopia, you know, that whole thing about what... what um, what Biden wanted was a complete change of demographics. Um, I think that uh, what you end up with there is you end up with uh, a situation where you don't know your own identity. And that, that we talked about in the past, too, about gentrification. Like if I go to uh, Paris, I don't, want, I don't want to be listening to, uh, you know, uh, American music. I want to listen to French music. When I go to a Chinese restaurant, I, I want to hear Asian music. You know, when I go to a Parisian restaurant, I want to hear French accordions. You know, I don't mind. I, I'm not too cool for school that I can't spend two hours listening to some music I've never heard of before or whatever and, you know, enjoy the, uh, it's almost like an escape or mini vacation. But I like it when cultures are different. Not the same. And we were talking yesterday also like about the history of England, for example, in London, and uh, Monty Python and Benny Hill and the Beatles. And all of a sudden, you know, these, these radical Islamic jihadis, these Muslims that are uh, being, uh, you know, imported by mayor of London, Amir Khan, you know, basically rejoice in the notion of, you know, maybe introducing England or London to their own brand of music and what have you, uh, praying to uh, Mecca uh, twice a day or whatever they do. The point is, is that um, I, I think that, you know, every place should have its own nationalism, its own identity, its own team. You know, that's what makes sports so great. That's what makes the Olympics sports so great. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But I like the idea of having our own identity. And I like what Trump said when he said, I expect that the country we're going to be doing business with is going to have their own mission. They're going to have their own country at heart. They're going to uh, try to do the best for their country. And we'll try to do the best for our country. And at least we know where we stand with each other, that people aren't snakes stabbing each other in the back. All these different things. And um, so when you water down the well of who you are as an identity, and again, there is this uh, clip where uh, Joe Biden uh, talks about demographics, and uh, it's actually would be a great time for me to just magically wave my wine, wand and, um, and see if I can find that graphic. Uh, it was a good, good clip. But, you know, Mayorkas was sitting right next to him. And, um, you know, he talks, but, but he was talking about that. And um, the idea is, is that if you, like, for example, do you think that the people that live here that are refugees that can't speak English, um, they just, they, they barely even know where they are. They don't know the states. They don't know our history at all. Right? I mean, you, you you meet these people, like I said, my nurses or, 
or my uh, Uber or Lyft driver. They don't know. Oh, who is uh, Benjamin Franklin? I don't know. They could barely speak English. They don't know American history. They don't know our struggles. They don't know where we came from. They don't know our culture. They just sort of just, you know, they're here. There's, they have no vested interest. I had to wait 18 years before I could vote. I, they, they said, you, when you're 18, you can vote. Well, I waited 18 years. I was born here. You know, but um, they didn't. They moved here, and a year later, they're voting. And they don't even know what they're voting for. So that's a problem. But do you think these people that come from uh, Ethiopia or Honduras or Colombia or El Salvador or someplace in the Middle East, do you think that they really even care if the border is opened or closed? I don't think they much care. Oh, I think it's good. And, you know, well, All for one, one for all. They could all come here. One world. Why not? Because they have no allegiance to anything. And it's it they're also they're also gaining from this as well. And so it makes it it makes it very easy. It makes it and we're gonna take uh, John from the Chicagoland area here in a second, but it makes it very easy for them to adopt this open border philosophy. No skin off their backs. They don't care. And that's the problem. And so once you get this open border and change the demographics, you have a you don't have a country uh, that is being defended anymore by patriots. You have people that are just living here, and at that point, um, you've lost to the globalists. John, uh, welcome back to the Scott Adams Show. Thank you for uh, calling in today. Oh, I'm glad the phones are back open. Yeah, I I wanted to second what you said. You were right on. You almost stole my thunder. By bringing immigration was never about being open the Statue of Liberty and Emma Lazarus. It was all about transforming the country because they see them as more likely to vote for their party. And I think there's a certain racial animus where they hate or they resent the white Christian heritage of the country. And that's what it's about when they flood you out and they figure they can manipulate others and basically pick your pocket, spread it around to others. They'll, you know what, you know what they say, they take uh, Rob Peter to pay Paul. You can depend on Paul's vote. And that's what it's all been about for 50 years. And we haven't had representation defending the American people in the way it was. And you're right, because you lose a sense of identity. You have to have some core identity. And that's what you're seeing reasserted in Eastern Europe. They have a core identity. And so that, that helps them in the long run. We don't. The Chinese have a core identity. The Japanese have a core identity. Isn't that okay? I guess it's okay for them, but it's not okay for us. So... I don't know what happens, but it's probably national breakup, which you're hearing talked about more often. I think that where we well, learn, I agree 100%. and I think where we learn the most is when we look at the European Union and what has happened to Europe. Europe has lost its way. Uh, like Doug Merry wrote, he wrote The uh, Strange Death of Europe. Um, it's lost yeah. its middle class. It's nothing but basically aristocratic elites and the workers. Uh, there's hardly any uh, independent thinking middle class. One of the key benefits to the United States is that we have a strong, vibrant middle class. We, 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 if we want to drive a gas-guzzling truck, we do. Uh, we we want to uh, pray to a certain God, we can. Uh, send our kids to private school, we will. And uh, that's all well and good. But um, it seems like we're losing that with 
the type of uh, tyrannical, draconian measures that have been taking place in the wake of COVID or under the disguise of COVID, just like social credit score systems are really the vaccine passport. Uh, I think that COVID is really their utopia in terms of draconian control of populate of, of their population. Absolutely. Well, and these new immigrants, a lot of refugees, immigrants, they have no concept of these restrictions, this constitutional, these constitutional rights. It's not a tradition where they come from. So it's much easier than to flood out those who object to this kind of thing. That's exactly what you said. They don't understand the history and sort of the, the, the history of rebellion and of individual rights. And so it's much easier to mute the voices of those of us who do care about that. In, the, in Europe, one of the reasons they bring in migrants is to dissolve the bonds within a country. So if you bring in migrants from Africa, they don't have the same commitment to France qua France or Germany qua Germany. They have a commitment to sort of being out of you know a poverty, I guess, and being in Europe. But So they're more likely to accept the EU, whereas a local Frenchman or a local German or a local Brit more likely to say, wait a minute, I want to retain my individual identity. The refugees and immigrants don't. So they're doing the same thing there. They got, I guess, the, I don't know who got the idea from who, but it's uh, it's being used to dissolve the national bonds in both countries. And you know, you, one last thing you mentioned about the nurses when you're at when you were in the hospital. I heard you. I tried to call in, but the lines were down. And just wanted to say that you know a lot of those what are called quote unquote nurses, you know, their, their qualifications are thin, or they're not even nurses. I mean, there's so many different titles of nurses. There's nurse techs, there's CNAs, mm-hmm. there's nurses aides, there's LPNs. They're not really nurses. Their RNs are actually nurses. And there's nurse practitioners who are, you know, can see primary care patients. They're never, another level up. But I mean, sometimes they'll tell you they're a nurse and they're not a nurse or, you know what I mean? Because I think right. that's where a, a lot of those people you saw, I, I suspect, I suspect they were. Just FYI. That's right. And last thing I mentioned, um, a and great we, guest. We I don't know 10, if you're ta- 20 Peter seconds. Sorry. 20 seconds. Go ahead. Yeah, Peter McCullough. He talked, Novavax is a vaccine that's coming out that if someone has to take it, it might be a lot safer. It's a protein subunit vaccine. Yeah. It should be coming out in a month or two. Peter McCullough and both Robert Malone as well, they both suggested that will probably be safe if people are in a pinch. But you might want to talk, if those guys can be on your show, those would be very interesting guests. Right, absolutely. Well, thank you for calling in. And uh, we're going to try to get the phone system to work even better in the future. All right, thank you, John. Take care. And that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. It's been fun. Uh, It's kind of nice having this... uh, the, you know, the call-in system working again, but it's a little rough around the edges. We know that. Um, In any case... Thank you all for listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. We'll see you all next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.